You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 43 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. As always, I'm glad that you, listener, are joining us. And as always, I'm glad that Matt and Nathan Van Horn are also joining us for this 30 minutes of discussing the narrative of the Bible. Um, You've heard me say it over and over again. This is episode 43. I know you're tired of it. But if you are not subscribed to the podcast, please take a moment and do that now, because by doing that, you are telling the algorithm that this is worthwhile content. And, you know, because you are on episode 43, you surely do believe that. So on iTunes, that's subscribe. (laughs) On Spotify, that's like. If you're on a third party um, listener, whatever that looks like for you, just help us uh, tell the algorithm that this is good content. And with that being said, uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing, doing well. Thing. You know, every week when you encourage people to subscribe, I wonder how we like can coerce people. Like, what would we use to threaten them? Would we say, hey, if you don't subscribe, we're going to go faster? Or, hey, if you don't subscribe, we're only going to do half of a verse next week. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I hope you like Genesis 8 because we're not leaving until we hit 3,000 subscribers. <laughs> uh, no. So, well, what are we going to be talking about today? I, I think I know, but. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to say these words. <laughs> the rainbow connection. The rainbow connection. Yes. Mm. Mm, I had a feeling. Yes. R- reminds me of one of my favorite childhood characters, the Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Recognize that guy? Well, I'm sorry, listener. I forgot to inform you that we had a special guest today. We Kermit, had Kermit, Kermit the Frog, the frog. <laughs> via, via our very own Matt Powell. Well done, sir. How are we on episode 43 and we're just now just referencing now getting the Muppets, to the Muppets. Yep. for the well, first time? Well, we need to have plenty of time to talk about Lord of the Rings illustrations, so it, we cut the Muppets out. Hey, but that, that is hey, a, that's a good you know, segue, Muppets though. There's a first time for everything. Uh, that is good. I like that segue. You know, Muppets are close to home too. You know, uh, Leland, Mississippi, where Jim Henson grew up. The Kermit, Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. The Kermit the Frog Museum in Leland, Mississippi. So, all right, it's, okay, cool. It's I did literally out in the middle of a field. <laughs> so, because there's not much to Leland. So, all right. So, if we're talking about Rainbow, then I assume we're we're in we're in Genesis nine, starting with what verse eight or. Yeah, we're going to look at Genesis 9, verses 8 through 17 today. Awesome. All right, who's reading? I won't foister it on anybody this time. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask for, I'll ask for I'll read. input. Thank you, Nathan. And as always, reader, uh, listeners, we are reading from the ESV. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off 
uh, by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And then God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. Mm. So all this talk about uh, the rainbow, it kind of uh, brings something to, to mind that we only just briefly, maybe just one or two sentence, sentences have touched on on the podcast. Uh, earlier, uh, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about things that we just haven't touched on and that we weren't going to because that's just not the focus. And one thing that we never did touch on is whether or not there was rain on the earth before the flood. Because I, I remember that as, as being an element of the story that we just never even talked about. Yeah, again, oh, no, I remember that too from childhood, that that was, that was presented as gospel. Not gospel as central to the story, but it was just unquestioned. It was just, oh yeah, it didn't rain before the flood. And Which is uh, kind, of, kind of, I don't know, that doesn't make a lot of sense in my brain, right? Because there's, like right. the earth has to have water to live, right? Right. I, I think it comes from Genesis 2-4. But it is interesting looking at that in context. Or two five, no two five. Yeah, yeah, two five is the reference, but the passage starts with two four. Right. Um, what are you, so ne- you, you walk us you want me to read those time. verses? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, so again, and this is one of those totally doth formulas we've talked about that uh, occurs several times throughout Genesis and kind of provides a structure to move the story forward, and that's important. It says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And so the question becomes, to my knowledge, you have no explicit mention of rain prior to the flood, correct? Correct. Correct. All right, so the question becomes, is there no explicit mention of rain prior to the flood because there was none, or because it's highlighting the significance of what's happening when it rained that time? So you you could read Genesis 2, 4, and 5 as saying, hey, you know, no rain, you know, God could water these things through the mist that comes up from, you know, from the land or the ground that was watering the whole face of the ground that's mentioned in verse 6, or you could say, I wonder if there's a connection intended between the mentioning of three things in tandem. Number one, uh, plants of the field, you know, uh, bushes of the field, plants of the field, uh, plant life growing up, God causing rain, and this very important third element. What is it? Man to work the ground. Like in, Hmm. in the created order, man is the arbiter that's supposed to navigate the relationship between things coming up and rain coming down. And, and when, and when that goes awry, you know, when, when the created order becomes corrupted through the sin of humankind, what happens? 
the relationship between the waters above and life beneath is totally disrupted. So I, I don't know if the text necessitates, uh, certainly many read it that way. It's not a major point for me. I don't know if the text necessitates that there was no rain uh, prior to the flood, and it might just be highlighting it in the flood. Again, that's not the only water being highlighted in the flood. Uh, it's also the floodgates from beneath, not just rain from above. Um, it, it seems more likely to me that it's highlighting it in the flood for what it represents, you know, creation moving in reverse with the waters taking back over the land that God brought forth from them. That, does that make sense? It does. It, it does. And I, I kind of like what you, what you were saying. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's not a super major point for me. And I, I guess that, I guess that makes sense because the, the whole reason I thought that it was significant of whether or not it happened after the flood is because rain is what is necessary for a rainbow to appear, right? Mm. But I, I guess to me, it's just it's I, I can live with it if rainbows did if it was raining, but rainbows hadn't happened yet. I can you know, God's all powerful. I can. So live that, with that that is the <laughs> that is interesting. Whether or not it's the first rain, is it the first rainbow hmm. in Genesis uh, nine? I don't know. I, I guess in other words, like whether or not the flood involves the first rain, does Genesis nine involve the first rainbow, or we? Or are we attaching a new significance? Uh, you know, God calls this a sign of the covenant. Are we attaching right. a new significance? Um, I have to some thoughts that was already this. in place. Go ahead. You <clears throat> so, are scandalous topics, guys. So we're waiting for so, a definitive word from you. <laughs> I was reading an article earlier today on a totally different subject. It was talking about um, schizophrenia hallucinations and visions. And the author is an atheist, and he was talking about in the early church, in early times of the Christian movement, that the movement was built on lots of people having visions that, of course, he's saying that we know today are just, you know, uh, mental illnesses, things like that. He said, but in those times, you got credit for that stuff. Um, and the thing that it made me think about is, wow, isn't that interesting how differently we look at the world than they look at the world? I know this is a reoccurring thing, but when we talk about the rainbow, I don't know if you all have noticed, we immediately are talking about, all right, is it scientifically possible that if it was raining, could there actually have been a rainbow? Was the rainbow there or the rainbow not? Um. And I think really the more significant takeaway here is that there are two things mentioned for the first time in the Bible in this passage uh, regarding not just, we're going to talk about covenant, but two things here. First, we mentioned is the rainbow, but cloud, this is the first time that cloud occurs in the Bible. And cloud will be significant throughout the scriptures as speaking of the glory of God, referencing, think of like pillar of cloud, things like that. Um, and if we're remembering that whole living the Exodus at, while we're reading Genesis. Yeah, cloud by day, pillar uh, of fire by night. So the cloud and the rainbow, these are symbols of God's presence. And also some interesting passages, I think about Revelation chapter four. I can't, that reminds me, I can't remember who said this. So I, I'm quote, I'm ripping off someone's quote, uh, mm -hmm. but they said God's promises always involve God's pre presence. 
God's promise oh, always involves God's presence. Yeah, I love that. That's not original to me. Um, in Revelation chapter 4, in verse number 3, it says, And he who sat there had an appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. This is a description of the throne room of God in heaven, by the way. And around the throne, or encircling the throne, was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. So it seems like the throne is sitting on top of a rainbow. Do you call that a, a circular rainbow or a, a rain circle? How, how does that nomenclature <laughs> well, see, work? That, that's, that's interesting that you say that because it, it's very significant that the shape of a rainbow, as you normally see it on the ground, you know, in everyday life, it's a bow, which that's significant. But I, I guess this also proves that they, they also knew that in actuality, a rainbow, if it, if it were not occluded by the ground, is circular, right? Like if you're on a mountain and you see a rainbow, it's, you know, it goes all the way into a circle. Mm. So I guess you see it in both ways so in the Bible. Another thing that jumped out at me here in the text is that if you look in verse 11, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, seeming to suggest that those floodwaters are still there. And I think it's a reminder that Genesis 1, God pushed back the waters and then he made the reality where we live, pushed back the waters of chaos, and then he he made the heavens and the earth. Whereas uh, here, it's kind of, it's kind of like God saying in verse eleven, those waters are never going to collapse again, because certainly it has rained since, and there have been floods, but the creation has never gone back into decreation mode when the waters from on the other side of the firmament, so to speak, as we talked about in an earlier podcast, recollapsed on creation. Yeah, I yeah. like that. It, is it bad that I don't like that there's a major like loophole in the in this? Because it's like, I will never again let the use the waters to destroy the earth. But it doesn't say anything about just destroy the earth in general. But, just, by the way, just the waters. Is, isn't it interesting, and we've mentioned this in passing in previous episodes, Moving forward from this, water overwhelmingly becomes a symbol of redemption in the biblical story, mm -hmm. and the symbol of judgment becomes, you know, the elemental opposite of, right? Uh, yeah, fire, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so I do, I do think, I do think the ramifications of God's statement here. Uh, by the way, this is perfect communication. I know I'm supposed to say that. Uh, as a as a pastor, this is perfect communication on God's part. He says, "Here's what I'm about to do." He does it, and then he says, "Here's what I've done." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yes, the, the simple breakdown. No, notice how how repetitive and intentionally so uh, the language of this passage is. It's, it's capturing the significance of what's happening. Uh, this is this is a covenant with a person that affects all of the created order. Um, so. Going back to what I was saying a moment ago, ancient people, when they saw the rainbow and they saw the cloud, they thought about God. Like, for instance, I even think in like... Ezekiel. Other, yeah, it was Ezekiel. I was even thinking in other mythologies, the whole idea of rainbows being portals or gateways to other dimensions, regardless or, of what's Or a magical there. treasure map to a pot of gold. There there you go. Or let's not forget, uh, that's how you get to the heavens in Mario Kart, right? Via Rainbow Road. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. 
But the the rainbow, an ancient would have saw it, would have seen it, and thought about something spiritual. It is true. They're not thinking, oh, that happens because of, you know, rain and, you know, the light spectrum and all that. They they are thinking about the supernatural world because that's how they think. And regardless of how scientifically the rainbow comes to be, the point here is still there. It is meant to be. The rainbow is a connection between the God of heaven and the people of earth. It's almost like here, I remember when uh, my son passed away, uh, as we, one of the times that Andrew and I read this passage together, it was like, oh, well, so God can see the rainbow from his side where he dwells and man can see the rainbow from our side. So it, it, it was like, there's this connection point. So the rainbow connection. So whether or not that's actually true, it's, it's found in the narrative here as meant to be some kind of glue that brings the two worlds together. You know, I'm, I'm, we mentioned Ezekiel uh, before uh, 128 before we recorded, like the oh, yeah. appearance, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around, and such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Uh, and when I saw, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. I love, like, if you read Ezekiel one, he's got this just fantastic imagery for experiencing this vision of God. And I, I, I do love, you know, the rainbow embodying like the full spectrum of, uh, you know, perceivable colors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love that it's something that you can. It's something in a sense, tangible and intangible at the same time. Does that make sense? Yes. It it doesn't matter how fast you go, you will never get to the rainbow, but you can see it right there. Yeah, that's it. Um, As as an artist, can I just say that I think Indigo should be in there? I'm offended that they dropped Indigo out of the They dropped Indigo? Yeah. You you see. What? It's now just red, orange, yellow, uh, blue, violet. It used to be red, orange, yellow, uh, blue, green, indigo. blue, indigo. Oh yeah. yeah, green. Forgot one. <laughs> yeah. thank you. I'm like, well, well, what is yeah. that? So red, my, orange, yellow, green, um, I, blue, I, indigo, violet. I don't know whether or not that disrupts me on a scientific level, but at a at a human level, the only reason I know the colors in the rainbow is because I memorized that whole Roy G. Biv. Right. And now, now it's, and now now it's, it's just, just Roy G. Biv. Yeah, that's it. Well, that, well, how do you think? I, how do you think I feel about when they removed Pluto and now I'm I still upset about my, I'm still my upset rhymes about don't make any sense anymore. You, curse you, you, yeah, curse you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> oh, man. well, but you actually point, uh, picked up on something that I did want to ask about here because I think it's interesting that the language here seems to talk about that the rainbow is not just for man's benefit to see it and be reassured, but also. As a reminder to God, because I mean, it explicitly says he's like, "Oh, I see it, and I'm going to remember." Yeah, and we've talked about God remembering before, right? That's, that's uh, right. This, is, about this is not that God is prone to forget, but God calling active attention. So, again, like we've talked about, uh, reading Genesis while you're living the Exodus, um, the language of the Exodus will be that God remembered His covenant with the patriarchs, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. and He heard the cries of His people, and He took action. Um, and, and that's what I love about, uh, you know, the key word of this passage. Like we said, seven times in Genesis chapter nine, you see this crucial 
Old Testament concept, that of Berit, covenant. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, uh, in Jewish circles, you hear uh, of the Berit Olam, the eternal covenant, unshakable. Um, and uh, I love that because God is committing himself. In other words, a covenant is two a covenant is between two people, but it doesn't mean that they're equal parties in that covenant. Fair? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one, one thing that Matt and I have discussed is, you know, we, we read this passage in the appearance of the bow, and, you know, we get all in our feels because rainbows are beautiful and we have sentimental attachments to them. But the word used for the rainbow is really just the Hebrew word for what? Like a, a warrior bow, like a bow and arrow. That's it. Uh, an archer's bow. Um, and, and very importantly, if we're looking at the imagery of the passage, if God has a bow, how do, how do rainbows appear? Like, and you know, just cut them, you know, double it over and you have the, you have the the golden arches. The bow has hung, it's hung on the wall as if it's been put up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not pointing toward earth. Right. It's pointing up. Yeah, the bow. Does that make sense, Gandalf? The bow is pointing toward heaven. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so you, usually, when a covenant was made in the ancient world, both in and outside of the Bible, uh, sacrifice was offered. We we heard you know verses earlier about Abraham establishing an altar and, and offering of all the clean animals. Remember, um, and usually a sacrifice was offered uh, whenever a covenant was made, and. Covenants were a big deal. You put life on the line. So I'm going to fast forward to Genesis 15 when God makes uh, a covenant. It's the next time we hear about covenant with Abraham. And he has Abraham prepare these animals, uh, and then they would split them in the half. Um, And then when a covenant ceremony happened, both parties would pass through. um, They would pass through the pieces of the sacrifice. It was a symbolic way of saying, if I don't live up to my end of the bargain, then may what has happened to these things happen to me. In other words, if I undo the covenant, may I be personally undone. Are you with me so far? Mm -hmm. What's the catch in Genesis 15? God is the only one who passes through the pieces. Right. How is that a window for what's going on in Genesis 9? The bow always points heavenward. Heavenward. So uh, right after this immense scene that shows us the consequences of sin resulting in death on a catastrophic scale, God makes a covenant that promises life, but whose life is on the line to honor that covenant? Like this is right before Noah's singular but glaring moral failure with the drunkenness. Right. It, it, it's almost like that story serves to reinforce if there's any hope of this covenant being sustained, it falls completely on. It falls completely on God. That's yeah. it. That's it. And so, and this is something we'll impact. Um, this Matt, covenant I, is unconditional. That's like it. There's, there is no. Yeah, he's not asking for anything on on Noah or his family's part. Well, and and, and, and that's what I, I guess what I would say is the it, kind of thinking like a secured versus an unsecured loan. The, o- the only kind of secure, unconditional covenant is one sustained by God. Hmm. Huh. Does that make sense? Also, uh, uh, the, the language here of this shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth, that a, that a sign, of course, the Israelites, we've seen this word before, 
We saw it in Genesis 1, let them be for signs and for seasons, when it talking about the lights in the sky. Also, it's the same word that was used to put a mark on Cain, put a sign on Cain, that if anyone who found him should attack him. Also, it's going to be used in the covenant of circumcision, uh, that a sign would be placed on the descendants of Abraham. And what is a sign meant to do? Well, it's meant to take you back to when the sign became a thing. For instance, in a negative way, it would be Cain. The sign was there to be a reminder of what Cain did and that the protection that God put on him as a mercy. The rainbow is a sign to take you back to the flood of what God did. But it also is going forward as well. I think about circumcision. It is a sign put into the people of Abraham, but it was also to be a sign going forward that as they procreate and have children and share intimate moments with their spouses, like what what meaning does circumcision have? Well, it's a reminder that they are, as they fruitful and multiply, carrying forward a promise that's headed somewhere. So well, the and I, sign I, I've of the heard it goes both ways. Yeah, and I've heard, uh, and we'll talk about this more when we get to circumcision and some of the times that circumcision is, you know, uh, practiced throughout the Old Testament. Uh, you know, the 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 this is not meant to be overly graphic, but the rolling back of the foreskin, regarded probably as the dirtiest part of the genital, would, would was kind of like rolling back the reproach. Like I think of the people going into the promised land, and before they go into and enter and take possession of the land, they have to roll back the reproach of the unbelieving wilderness generation. Oh, okay. Um, and they circumcise all the males of that generation. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there's there's always a it's, – it's like Matt said, it's not just a practice. It's a practice that signifies and relates us to a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, when do you see the rainbow? Precisely after the rain. And so the bow that reminds us um, – what's not going to happen again because God has put himself on the line. Uh, and, and event, you know, and, and I love that eventually God, God will make good on all his covenants and he will secure it with the life of Christ. Right. This is why Paul can right. say in second Corinthians that all God's promises are yes. Amen. in Jesus Christ, um, uh, because God's promise always involves God's presence. And there's no greater way that that takes place than, in Jesus. Two verses I think about the ascension of Christ, that he ascended riding on the clouds, and that at the second return, uh, his second coming, uh, that he is coming on the clouds. So there's oh, no that. doubt in my mind there's going to be some rainbows. <laughs> so we better anyway. segue to a wrap up or I'm going to start singing that Days of Elijah song. <laughs> oh, man, when Pastor Randy here at First Baptist Church, uh, when he busts that out, you're in for a treat. Yeah, the, uh, that's good. I, I don't play the fiddle, but I can try. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the the covenant covenant that God makes are absolute. The covenant that we make to you that you're going to receive a new episode every Tuesday is a little bit less secure. But <laughs> if you subscribe, it will be. Uh, that's what we're asking of you. The 
that's all, that's your end. You have to hold up. We will keep providing new content every Tuesday morning, and you must subscribe to receive pa- it. Pass through the pieces with us. <laughs> pass through. <laughs> and uh, we have a, we have missed that a couple times, but uh, just don't worry about that part. Uh, don't, don't worry about that. Um, but thank you for joining us uh, for this week's episode, and we hope that you're joining us next week. And you guys have a great day. Bye. See you later. Shalom. And a uh, a quick thank you for our <laughs> special guest, Kermit. Hi, ho, Gandalf.